wow, look at all the people out this morning on this fierce snowstorm in Willow, Alaska. <laughs> it's amazing. Good to have you here. Everybody's looking so well. Didn't you enjoy our worship this morning, led by our great worship team? So thankful for Keenan and Alexis to come up and fill in for Tyson and Lindsay. They had a very needed break today, uh, vacation time. So we're so grateful for this excellent worship today, as well as our very own Jolene. Thank you, Jolene. Well, as we were driving to church this morning, uh, I was wanting to check the, uh, the church app to see what the order of service was and to remind myself of you know, all of the things, who's, who's doing announcements, what are the announcements, just to put it all together in my head again. And then I picked up my phone and it asked me a question. It said, are you driving? <laughs> and I punched the tab that says, no, I'm not. Was I lying or not? I was not lying because Frankie was driving. Ha, 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 Trick question. <laughs> it's interesting, though, isn't it? Doesn't that always induce guilt when it asks you that question? And it's interesting that that um, app or whatever it is asks you a question that's based on the virtue of honesty in order to motivate you to think about not using your iPhone while you're driving <laughs> and that our culture still uh, holds to the value of the virtue of honesty. Well, we're doing a study through Proverbs on ask, called Asking for a Friend, Wise Answers to Tough Questions. And today's theme from Proverbs is on honesty and dishonesty. So I'm going to try and tackle that. And the, the tough question that we're going to endeavor to answer, the bigger, broad question, and then I'm going to narrow it down to a, a more practical question, is why do we live in this world where there's both honesty and dishonesty existing amongst us? In other words, if God is the God of truth who created the world, why isn't there only honesty, only truth? Why is there dishonesty? But maybe the more productive personal question for us is, how can we contribute to changing this world and return it back to honesty without dishonesty? And even more personal, is that even possible in my life, in your life? Is it even possible for me to live with honesty and no dishonesty? Is it possible for our hearts to be congruent with God's heart? So in an effort to give an answer to these questions, I've developed some thoughts from Proverbs on the subject that I'm calling the integrity of truth-telling. So let's give some definitions, first of all. Integrity is when our thinking and our living is in alignment with the truth or consistent with truth. Integrity is keeping our walk in alignment with our words. A person of integrity or has integrity, when you look at their life and you see that it's congruent uh, between their behavior and their beliefs, that there's consistency there. There's agreement between what they believe and, and how they behave. Integrity is closely tied to truth-telling and keeping our word. Integrity could be called truth-living. 
I received an email this Friday that was advertising a little devotional book for Christmas, and the, the title of the book was called Honest Advent. And it made me think. It made me think about congruence between the way that I live and what I believe about Jesus coming to our world. It challenged me to examine myself and my life to see if if it's being lived in alignment with that incredible hope and wonder of the truth, God is with us. God came to be with us. Honest Advent, honest Advent. Does my way of life reflect the evidence that God is with us? It also made me think of some dear friends of ours, James and Evelyn Barefoot. They're at Matsu Regional right now, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Evelyn has cancer throughout her body. And uh, James and Evelyn are close friends of ours, or went to Bible college together, and they've been missionaries their entire life in the Kobuk River area, and particularly the village of Norvik for many years. But their integrity during this time of sorrow is such an inspiration to me. And I was thinking about it when I was thinking about how do I define integrity. I was thinking their lives are lived in integrity. The, the, the way that they're dealing with this is such a testimony to their faith that they actually are walking through the valley of the shadow of death as if they personally know what, it, what David meant in Psalm 23 when he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Their faith is congruent, you see, with the truth that God has revealed about his nearness to us during those times. That's integrity, congruence, or agreement, or consistency. But let's define truth-telling. Truth-telling involves speaking in a way that does not exaggerate or minimize or deny or rationalize or manage or manipulate the truth. Truth-telling is freedom from rationalization, from denial, from blame rendering. It's like Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses or acknowledges or truth does truth-telling, forsakes them, will have mercy. So truth-telling is not exaggerating or stretching the truth. Truth-telling is not cheating on our tests or cheating on our taxes or cheating on our insurance forms. Truth-telling is the integrity of follow-through. It's keeping our promises of what we say that we're going to do. It's refusing to flatter. It's refusing to slander. It's refusing to gossip or pass on gossip or or rumor. Truth-telling is the commitment to conform with fact or conform or align with reality. It's genuineness. It's veracity. It's actuality, being truthful to yourself and to others. Truth is reality. It's actually what is real. It's how things actually are. That's what truth is. Truth-telling doesn't try to bend it then or spin it our way or twist it 
Uh, truth is this accurate perception of reality. So truth-telling says things that are consistent or congruent with what is in God's mind, how God sees the world, how God sees us, how God sees the facts. And as we speak those facts, we're speaking them consistent with what God sees and knows. Jesus defined truth-telling this way. He says, Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this truth-telling comes from where? Comes from the evil one. Interesting statement, isn't it? Because it, it addresses the question as why is it that in this world that a God who is full of truth created, does there exist dishonesty along parallel with honesty. Where did dishonesty come from then? Well, lying comes, says Jesus, from the evil one. And so here's the story. In the beginning, God told Adam and Eve that they were free to eat of every tree in the Garden of Eden, but one, except one. He gave one exception. And they were asked to trust that exception for whatever reason God knew why. God knew best, but he gave one prohibition. One tree belonged to God alone. And if they ate that for, from that forbidden tree, they would die. And that was reality. That was the truth. That was what God said. So eventually Adam and Eve decided that they couldn't accept the fact or live with the fact that God had the prerogative to decide the nature of what was right and wrong, good or bad. And so they wanted to choose for themselves what was good and bad, and they wanted to determine truth for themselves, determine their own reality, live it out according to what they wanted. And so Adam and Eve became the first truth spinners or truth twisters, and it began with lying to themselves about the true nature of that tree and the true nature of God's prohibition and what was off limits for them, what God said no to them about at that moment of time. So in effect, the spin was God is holding out on us. And that spin led to other spins. And before you know it, they were hiding from and lying to God and to each other. Now, Paul defines in the book of Romans the, the devil's way of deceiving us, the devil's deception. He says that Satan deceives us by getting us to trade in God's truth for a lie. It's an interesting expression, isn't it? In, in Romans 1.25, Paul gives that line, and, and in Romans 1, he's given the foundation of why we human beings need salvation that Jesus brought by coming to the world and dying on the cross. And he gives a basis for the sin in humanity that exists that needs saving, and he describes it in many ways. And, and he describes it, one way he describes it is by this manner of living according to a lie. And he says our life gets really twisted when we choose to live according to a lie instead of a truth. And the nature of sin, the deception of sin, is get us, getting us to trade God, the truth of God for a lie. Just an interesting expression of the nature of sin, trading in truth 
and choosing rather instead a lie, to live a lie. So how does Satan deceive us into trading truth for a lie? Well, he does it simply by twisting the truth. Uh, he takes what is good and he twists it to make it look bad. Uh, for example, he deceives us into believing that God is not good but evil, that God is not for us but he's against us, that God's will is not for our best but it's for our worst, That's, and sin deceives us by convincing us that God is not trustworthy. And the, the height of deception is how sin can actually convince us that sin is not actually sin, that good is not actually good, and that God is not actually God. Believing a lie goes on then as a snowball effect that it impairs our ability to discern truth. It creates this moral vertigo where up seems down and wrong seems right, where black and white take on a thousand degrees or shades of gray. And it's a place where one thing leads to another and we become lost in the deep woods of claiming to be a follower of Jesus, but there's no congruence between his life and ours. That's the snowball effect of believing a lie, of trading truth for a lie. But here's the good news. There is healing for that problem of sin. <laughs> There's healing for a lie, that Jesus brought truth to our world. There's a reason why John begins his gospel saying the word became flesh and he was full of grace and truth. It's because he brought truth to our world so that we can be healed from the sin of deception, the sin of lying. Uh, deception is not a sin. Believing the deception is a sin. But the message of the gospel is that God refuses to let lies have their last word. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. That means you, you can't hide a lie forever because God is a God of truth. And truth will not allow the lie to go covered up forever. God looked for Adam and Eve in an attempt to reconcile in that broken relationship and bring it back on the foundation of the basis of truth, to reclaim truth and restore congruence with reality, that God is good all the time. And the rest of the Bible is the story of how God mends that tear in the fabric of creation, which began with a lie about reality. So that sin nature of Adam and Eve was passed on to us as well. Every one of us struggle with honesty at times. And like Adam and Eve before us, we are truth spinners and want to define our own reality. For example, we pad expense accounts with rationalizations and denials. We back out of commitments with blame and deceit. We spin the truth to make others look bad and make ourselves look good. We've created a world where we don't know who to believe and who not to believe. God has a plan of salvation for our world. He has hope for our world. It's a plan to straighten things that are crooked. 
and everything that is twisted. His truth, the Bible says, endures forever. If truth endures forever, that means lying is going to be eliminated. Amen? It means that lies that twist reality for self-gain to get what we want will not last forever. Lying will not last forever. Our lies that we've told will not be last forever. The Bible says in the day of judgment, they will be exposed. And it says that judgment begins first in the house of God. Right here with me. (laughs) That means God has to break into our brokenness. We need him to break into our brokenness and to bring the healing of that new kingdom that new kingdom reality, that new creation to our life. And that's what Jesus came to do. Lying is congruent with the nature of the devil. Truth-telling is congruent with the nature of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Lying is the cause behind the pain and all the broken relationships in our world. But truth-telling is what heals relationships and what sets us free from what divides us and, and what is broken. Jesus said in John eight forty four, gave this description of the devil. He said, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. It's an interesting phrase and and why he chose truth to describe the actions of the devil. He did not hold to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and he's the father of lies, <laughs> said Jesus. Jesus didn't pull any punches, did he? He's the, the devil is the father of lies. Where do lies originate from? They originate from the devil. If lying is the cause, then, behind our pain, behind the hate, behind all of our discontent, then truth is what will set us free. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If the devil is the spirit of deception, the father of lies, then his work is to twist and distort the truth. Lying is the spirit of his spirit of evil and rebellion, of being at odds and enemy and of God to instill distrust in our hearts towards God. But when you practice any form of lying, you're living then in congruence with the darkness. So I want to bring you into what Proverbs teaches about truth-telling and look at seven things you should know about truth-telling. Proverbs 23.23 says, and I love this verse, Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. Think about what that means. This verse has been significant to me all through my life. It means, it kind of reminds me of the parable of Jesus about finding uh, a, a, a treasure in the field and he, the guy goes and sells everything he has to go and buy it. It shows the significance and the worth of truth. 
that whatever it costs, always be truthful. And and Proverbs gives us seven reasons why it always pays. It always pays to buy the truth. Whenever you have a choice, buy the truth. Invest in truth. The first thing we should know according to Proverbs about buying the truth is that buying the truth is the best investment you can make. It pays the highest dividend of anything. There's no more profitable decision that you can make to get your life on a firm foundation than to commit your life to the integrity of truth-telling. Proverbs 10.6 says, Blessings accrue on a good and an honest life. That's Eugene Peterson's translation in in the message. That blessings accrue on a good and honest life. It means God promises to reward your honesty. He wants us to know that more and more blessings will build up on an honest life. Well, let's go after that then, eh? (laughs) The reason he says, buy the truth and sell it not is because it accrues abundant blessings, abundant blessings. And the second thing Proverbs teaches us about truth-telling is that buying the truth makes you rich and secure in your relationships. Proverbs 10, 9 and 10 says, people with integrity walk safely or they walk securely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. People who wink at wrong cause trouble. Winking at wrong means um, overlooking or, or covering up the truth. But a bold reproof promotes peace. Um, truth-telling promotes peace. So buying the truth produces a rich, secure, and happy relationships. When you buy the truth, it makes you a trustworthy person. It builds trust in relationships. You you can't have healthy relationships without trust. Lying will totally damage your ability to have a stable relationship with a person. It has huge social consequences. It jeopardizes trust between people. It tears relationships apart, sometimes irreparably. It blocks intimacy. Um, Intimacy is based on trust and transparency, the ability to be vulnerable with each other, to be authentic with each other. And so buying the truth is the best investment you can make. It makes you rich and secure in your relationships. It produces, thirdly, a lasting legacy and a godly influence. I love what Proverbs 12, 19 says. Truthful lips endure forever. Like there's an endurance to it. But a lying tongue lasts only a moment. It's interesting. There's a a permanence to truth. Truth leaves a positive imprint, an impact. It makes an ongoing influence wherever it goes. Truth will always hold its value. Lying will leave you morally bankrupt. So don't go after the, the lie. Go after truth because it leaves a lasting legacy. 
The fourth thing Proverbs teaches teaches us about truth-telling is that buying the truth is what gives you joy. It gives joy. Proverbs 12.20 says, Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. See, joy comes from having a clear conscience, doesn't it? Joy is the dividend check at the end of the confession of truth. My children always wondered how I had such awesome discernment, like as if I I lived so close to the Lord to be able to discern when they had done something wrong. (laughs) And uh, I didn't let them in on a secret. I just wanted them to know that, yeah, your dad's such a holy man, you know, he lives. But it's so obvious, it's so easy to tell from the countenance of a child when they've done wrong, right? There's a natural effect unless there's the searing of the conscience, right? But uh, buying the truth produces joy. And joy comes from a clear conscience. Honesty is crucial to having lifelong happiness, that happy people are honest people. Last night, we sat down to dinner and my phone dinged and it was a text from our son-in-law, Morgan, Morgan McPherson, he's a pastor down in Washington State, and his text said, Dad and Mom, I saw a photo of you this evening, and this was the thought that came to my mind. I like you. I mean, I love you too, but I genuinely like you, and I'm glad that you're part of my life. I hope you're both doing well. Wasn't that nice? I'm just so glad somebody loves us. From a son-in-law, nonetheless. Well, when I thought about that, about and I kind of, <laughs> I was, of course, thinking of my sermon. So my reply to him was, "What well, use the word congruence, you know, with his feelings?" And but, but think about this principle that Proverbs teaches about truthfulness produces joy, and Morgan's decision just to be truthful with his feelings and how it brought joy to Frankie and I, and and not only truthful to his own thoughts, but But what if in those situations it's the Holy Spirit leading us to say something that is true to someone? That 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 expression of truthfulness truthfulness that's in agreement or alignment or congruence with the heart of God of what He wants to pour into somebody, that when we say it and it's in congruence with God's truth in heaven, it produces, it has an effect of joy on our world and on people that we talk to. The fifth thing that Proverbs says about truth-telling is that buying the truth is the key that opens up the door to intimacy. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. I want to be somebody that God delights in, don't you? God delights in something. He delights in Truth-telling, people who are trustworthy, the Bible says. The Lord detests lying lips because he knows how dishonesty damages relationships. And the Lord delights in people who are trustworthy because that he knows that's the key that opens up the door to intimacy. And that's what God wants in our world. Honesty is the secret to deeper intimacy. Psalm 25, 14 is one of my favorite verses. In the King James, it talks about how God shares secrets with those who love him. 
shares secrets with those who can be trusted. In other words, God invites us into nearness with him, into the secret room of his presence to share secrets with us when we are trustworthy. But you're not going to share secrets with someone who can't be trusted, are you? (laughs) And so it's the secret to deeper intimacy. Honesty leads and it's the key to open the door to intimacy. You know, I was reading and found that studies have found that dishonesty and loneliness often go together. Dishonesty and loneliness go together. Lying causes a person to constantly be looking over their shoulder, and therefore they hold people at a distance. And these studies found consistent evidence that people who lie tend to assume that other people are lying too, and this impedes their ability to form close connections with others. Lying also impairs empathy with others, for others. It causes us to become what they say are wooden people without feeling, uh, without emotion. And lying is like cutting off the current of compassion for others. It cuts off intimacy and feeling and emotion. But honesty is like pulling the breaker switch and the power of intimacy and love surges on. The sixth thing that Proverbs says about truth-telling is that buying the truth will actually make you healthy. And that's not a lie. <laughs> Proverbs ten eleven says, The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. See, honesty is healthy. Lying makes us miserable. Honesty is, the Bible says, a life-giving fountain. I was reading some new research in neuroscience that it offers a window into the brain, and it shows that moral choices like dishonesty have observable negative effects in our life. And the research has reinforced some long-held ideas about dishonesty and warns us that lying is a dangerous, slippery slope toward depression and even other mental and physical illnesses. For example, there was some research done at the University of Notre Dame that they conducted an honesty experiment over a period of 10 weeks with 110 people where half of the participants were uh, asked to stop lying for during the duration of the study and the other people weren't asked anything. And so they could just be their normal selves, I guess. But these half of them were told not to lie. And those who were able to reduce the number of fibs that they told during those 10 weeks, the, the research shows that um, that when they told three less fibs, they had four fewer mental health complaints, such as feeling tense or feeling depressed. They had three fewer physical health complaints, like headaches and sore throats. And the study also revealed positive results in the participants' personal relationship. So we talk about the, the healthy benefits of truthfulness, that it has healthy benefits on us our, uh, mentally, on us physically, and socially with our relationships. <clears throat> now, it doesn't mean 
that if you have a sore throat this morning, you must have been, <laughs> must have told some fibs yesterday. But it's just the, 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 the general effect that it has a negative snowball effect that it erodes something within us. So literally, this study of neuroscience says that lying literally will damage the brain, that it makes what they say the brain sick that lying is this slippery slope that actually snowballs into self-deception, the inability to discern right from wrong. It twists the way that we perceive reality. We think things happen and they really didn't happen. We perceive something to be true and it really isn't true or something to be wrong and it actually was right. It's what Paul meant in Romans where this this, um, um, unhealthy mind affected by sin, trades God's truth for a lie. And so the brain slowly gets desensitized to dishonesty. And a pattern of lying begins to twist the way the brain begins to perceive reality, truth, as God sees it and God knows it. Lying causes a person to lose the ability to discern right from wrong. And so stop it, (laughs) right? There's a warning there for us to take it seriously. Buying the truth will make you healthy. Lying will make you miserable, on the other hand. Honesty is an important component, even, they say, of a healthy self-esteem. It allows us to be our authentic selves, to live a life that is true to our values and to build trust and to build respect with one another and it improves our our self-respect and self-esteem. Then the final thing we learn from Proverbs about truth-telling is, and I love this, that buying the truth means storing truth up in our heart. And I love what Proverbs teaches about wisdom and about truth because the whole theme or theology of Proverbs is that truth needs to get into our hearts. And really, that's the big theological question. How do we get truth in our hearts? Proverbs 3.3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So if if you want to be healed from the slippery slope of deception and lying, you must let the Holy Spirit put truth in your heart. The cure for lying and dishonesty is to get truth in the heart. Think about that. So how do we do that? Well, it starts, first of all, with confession. It starts with honest self-reflection. It starts by confessing what is congruent with what God sees and what God knows. Nothing is hidden before God, right? Our life here on earth is like an open scandal in heaven. God sees it all and knows it all. So we need to be honest before God. Honesty before God, confession before God is what starts putting truth in the heart, healing the heart with truth. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So here's the key. Here's the gospel. Jesus brought truth to our world when he came. John 
particularly John's gospel, makes that so clear. And he wants to put that truth into our hearts. Listen to what, how John started his gospel in John 1.14. The word, interesting choice of who Jesus is, right? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory... Well, how was his glory displayed? In two ways. The glory of the one and only Son who came to the Father was full of grace and full of truth. And we need both. We need grace to cover our sins, to forgive us our sins, and we need truth to fill our heart, to complete us and form us into the image of God, who is a God of truth. So truth is the self-disclosure of God in Jesus Christ. He came to reveal truth, to dispel the lie, and he revealed truth. Jesus came for that reason. So he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, it's impossible to have a relationship with God without being truthful. You've got to go through the door of truth. You've got to acknowledge truth to be honest before God in order to have a relationship with him. And it means that being a Christian then is choosing to live congruent with the truth of Jesus, consistent with Jesus. That's what John meant in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. Let's look at these verses. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Hmm. If we walk in the light, congruent with his light, what happens? It builds intimacy. It develops a relationship. We have fellowship with one another and with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. As if that it's not possible for Jesus to forgive us our sins if we are not willing to come honest and clean before him. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, it has to get in us, and it's in us when we are acknowledging the truth about our sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Two things, forgives us and purifies us. If we claim we have not sinned, we have made him out to be a liar and his what? Word is not in us. See, the key is the word needs to get in us to change and shape and form our heart into his reality. Finally, truth gets into our heart by the filling of the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a fill-up of truth. (laughs) You're getting filled up with truth when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that he was going to send the Holy Spirit after he resurrected and ascended to heaven in order to transform us into truth-tellers. He said, but when he, the Spirit of truth, interesting designation of who the Holy Spirit is. He's the Spirit of truth. When he comes, he will guide us into all truth. 
And that's what Jesus meant when he prayed for his disciples in John 17, 17. He said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. You see, sanctification means to be made holy, to made like Jesus. It's, it's, and it's how our heart gets filled with truth. Our heart is filled with truth when we completely consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart to God's work of cleansing, to allow him access into our life to see and expose any self-deception and give him permission to conform our heart to his truth. I don't know if you've ever heard it or not, if, if you know this, but I want to tell you this morning that God has a gift of sanctification for you today. Maybe you've heard about salvation, how there's forgiveness in the atoning blood of Jesus to, to pardon your sin, to forgive your sin. But did you know that in the blood of Jesus, there's also provision of grace to cleanse us from sin? It's a gift that brings our heart into congruence with his. The Bible says, be holy as the Lord your God is holy. He wants us to be like him. And the more that we are sanctified by the filling of the Holy Spirit, the more that we will love his truth. We need our hearts cleansed from sin because sin avoids the truth. It doesn't like exposure. It wants to remain hidden and kept concealed in the darkness. But there's no freedom without confession of our sin. But sanctification is loving the truth. Sanctification loves the truth. It puts a desire in our heart to be holy. It wants a pure heart. It wants the word of Christ to abide within. I remember with a theme song when I was working on my master's degree at London Baptist Seminary in London, Ontario, their theme song in every, every day and every chapel service was, May the mind of Christ our Savior dwell within from day to day, an old hymn. Never heard it before. I fell in love with it there. But may the mind of Christ our Savior, the truth of Christ, dwell in our heart from day to day. That's sanctification so that there would be congruence between our heart and his, so that we love what he loves and hates what he hates. I want to just close with a prayer, a prayer for honesty. And I want to include you in this prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Say it with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is going to be our segue to communion. We have communion elements this morning. And I want this prayer to be a way to prepare our hearts to come and receive the elements that remind us of the full provision of Christ's grace that he gave us at his cross. Let's pray. Pray it with me in your own heart. I want this prayer to lead us to Jesus. Dear God, I thank you for your power to cleanse us from all sin. Thank you for your gift of sanctification to fill us with the holiness of honesty. I know that honesty is a virtue that you love, so I want my heart to be free from the sin of lying. 
I ask that you help me to be truthful in all of my dealings with others, to speak the truth at all times, even when it may be difficult or inconvenient. I pray that you help me to be honest in my thoughts, my actions, my very intentions, and to refrain from any form of deception or dishonesty that may harm others, harm my family, or harm myself. I also pray for the courage to admit my mistakes and the strength to make amends to anyone I've wronged by my deception. I recognize that honesty sometimes requires difficult choices, Lord, but I know that with your guidance, with your power and presence in my life, I can overcome these challenges and habits. I ask that you help me to be honest with myself, to acknowledge my weakness and my shortcomings, to, be give, to give them to you, Lord, and to seek your help in overcoming them. And finally, Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me with truth so I can live without caving in to the culture around me and bend to the enticements of the devil, the father of all lies. This I ask by faith in the name of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I invite you to come forward, stand and come forward and receive the elements and let this time be a time of strengthening your faith in the full provision of Jesus' atonement, that he has grace, he has a double cure for sin, the grace of forgiveness and the grace of cleansing. Let's come forward.